0: What brings you down, then? I'm studying. London College of Fashion. Right. room is on the top floor. It's perfect. I love it. If I could live any place and any time I'd live here, in London, in the 60s. in my dreams. There was a girl. And you are? Sandy. See people, places, things others can't. This is the closest most people ever get to their dreams. <laughs> They're not just dreams, <laughs> Jack. I don't want to do this. You think you can just walk away? It really happened. <laughs> what did you see? Leaving ghosts. I want to report a murder. You witnessed the murder last night, but you believe this was a vision from the past. The guy that killed her is still like that. I have to stop him. Where are you going? I know what you did. I've done a lot of things. you can have to be more specific, love. You can't save me. Daddy!
1: Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Sang, and tonight I'm joined by... Amir Toure And Eric Wong. So tonight we are discussing director Edgar Wright's latest film, Last Night in Soho. We are now three films removed from his Cornetto trilogy. So if you guys don't know, that's uh, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End. I think in between that and this, he's directed Baby Driver and The Sparks Brothers, which is actually a music documentary.
2: And Ant-Man. Well, no, I'm sorry. He didn't Uh, direct Ant-Man. He wrote No, he didn't. He was going to. Yeah. I apologize. He was going to. Yeah, you're right.
1: And then he did not. Um, That went to Peyton Reed instead. So
2: it's just Baby Driver and
1: the Sparks Brothers. Yeah. And now, Last Night
3: in Soho. And in between the Cornetto Trilogy, he did Scott Pilgrim, right? It well, was that between? Imit- hot- yeah, I yeah, yeah. It was
1: between Hot Fuzz and Ed mm-hmm. World Yeah. So, what are your experiences with Edgar Wright? Do you guys like Edgar Wright? Do you like his movies? I'll lead off because it's underwhelming.
2: I don't have much Edgar Wright experience. Oh, really? So, like, yeah, what have you seen? I I, I'm curious. What have so you seen? I've not seen his first movie, Fistful of Fingers. Has anyone seen that? No,
1: I've not I have seen not that. actually. I have. Okay, I think it's, it might be an amateur
2: film. I don't even know. But yeah, I've seen Shaun of the Dead. I actually haven't seen the rest of the Cornetto trilogy. It's okay. just oh, Shaun of really? the Dead yeah, so Shaun of the Dead might be it. I'm trying to. Think. I, I definitely didn't see all of Scott Pilgrim. I like saw like half of that movie. Wow! How do you watch half of Scott How do you Pilgrim? Watch half Jesus. Movie? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It didn't grip me. What do you? What do you want from me? Okay. Dude, you don't like it. You should be on my side. <laughs>
3: you kind of gave it away, but yeah, okay. <laughs> Dude, we talked about this last week. Everybody know, knows you I don't know. like it. No, well, I think we talked offline about this. Oh, did we? All right. <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: spoiler alert, guys. Spoiler Derek alert. doesn't like Scott Pilgrim. All right, Derek, you go next, I guess. There are Edgar
3: Wright movies that I absolutely love, and then there are Edgar Wright movies that I, <laughs> and then there's I, I really Pilgrim. don't like. <laughs> and then there's, I mean, okay, I don't hate Scott Pilgrim, but, like, I know that there's people that love, love, love that movie, and I, I'm just not one of them. Uh, I think it's okay. I think out of the Cornetto trilogy, I, I think A World's End just, like, okay. I lo- I do like Hot Fuzz. I do like Baby Driver, even though some of the actors in that haven't aged very well. Uh, um <laughs> Oh, and I actually, because of this movie, I went back, because it's now on Netflix, I think it just got put on Netflix, I did watch the Sparks Brother documentary, um, which I did quite enjoy. Yeah, so I do like Edgar Wright as a filmmaker. I think he is very stylized in a way that sometimes, like, definitely speaks to me. Uh, Mm -hmm. and Shaun of the Dead is one of my favorite, if not my favorite zombie movie of all time. It's not like your traditional zombie movie, but I just absolutely love it. And movies like Baby Driver, I think just like ooze with like style when it comes to like his use of action and car chases and music in that movie. So I definitely, like I said, love some of his movies, but not all of his movies.
1: Yeah. I pretty much like all of his stuff. Uh, I mean, I love the Cornetto trilogy. I love all of the movies in there. Uh, the World's End is very underrated, I think.
0: <laughs>
1: I think it's very, very funny. Really good end cap to the Cornetto trilogy. I'm a little lukewarm on Baby Driver. I think Baby Driver is fine. Um, nothing to do with the parade of canceled men that are in that movie
2: <laughs> wait who's in that that's already who's been
1: canceled kevin spacey, kevin, kevin spacey, spacey and ansel elgort elgort is a little contentious oh wait here. i didn't hear about him being canceled what did he do i don't know he's he's done some rapey shit i don't know oh my god i mean he has he has he's i mean there are multiple allegations surrounding him they like all but cut him out of the west side story trailer the steven spielberg movie He's the lead. But he's
3: the lead, though. Like yeah. you can't
1: get away with it. You can't, you can't get, get away, away from with it. it. <laughs> so I, I wonder how that's gonna that's gonna be. And but you, you have the
3: question like does the general public like you know Amir didn't really know anything about that. Like see you know you wonder how many people actually know. Yeah, like Kevin yeah, Spacey I, was definitely a much
1: bigger story. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I think Baby Driver is all right. I think the the music and the action, like you said that that marriage is really really potent. I really like that. I love Scott Pilgrim. That's one of my favorites, too. I, I know you're you're lukewarm on that. But um, it's interesting to see him do something with a straight face and not like a genre deconstruction.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this movie, uh, Last Night in Soho, this is probably his most sincere take um, on horror. It's like straight up horror thriller. And this is one of my most anticipated movies of the year. I was really looking forward to it. I really like Thomas and Mackenzie. I love Anya Taylor-Joy. And this time travel murder mystery thing is like right up my alley. So I was super excited for this. And for two-thirds or maybe half of this movie, I was like, man, this fucking bangs. And then it didn't. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then I don't think I've ever been so disappointed in a movie, which really, really hurts me to say, because I I really do like Edgar Wright, and um, this movie did not stick its landing at all for me. We'll talk about this later, but I want to know what you guys thought. I'm probably
3: pretty close to the same boat as you. I thought the first half of this movie was amazing. I really, really enjoyed getting to know the Thomas and McKenzie character, and then like having that transition into like learning about the Honor, Taylor, Joy, um, Sandy? Sandy, right? Mm, Sandy. <laughs> Sandy character, that sense of style that I kind of talked about with... Baby driver is so present, like, especially in that very first meeting between them. Or I guess they don't meet each other, but like, that very first time where we're kind of seeing their. Where she dreams about
1: Sandy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, She dreams
3: about Mm -hmm. Sandy, and like, it's like there's like the reflections in the mirrors and like the seamless transitions between like her becoming Anna and then Anna becoming her. Like, I think that all really was really spectacular. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then, yes, essentially this movie is like a murder mystery. And like, once it starts getting into the murder mystery part, that was the stuff that just, I think bogs this film down a little bit became the least interesting thing about this movie the things with the ghost i definitely see the problems with the ending there are aspects of the ending that i do like that maybe we'll talk about um when we get there
2: i'll lead with the fact that i did just see this movie a couple hours ago so so it's fresh it's fresh but i also haven't had too much time to like think about it yeah and, right, right, like right. have like that fridge logic moment where you go oh wait that doesn't make any sense but it didn't bother me as much as I think it bothered the two of you. It didn't like ruin it. I did come home and like, look at a couple of reviews just to see what they thought. And I was surprised at the negative reviews uh, I read. I mean, I think it's still been pretty widely liked. There were a couple of people who really panned it. I, I didn't get that from it. Um, I agree the ending was weak, but... There was a lot to like in this movie. I think because you said it was one of his most sincere and also like he's trying to make a movie that is saying something. Whether what it says is coherent or makes any sense. But this is a movie with like a message and a point of view, right? Mm -hmm. Which Mm -hmm. his other movies don't really have. Like genre reconstructions, uh, live action Tintin. You know what I mean? Like this is actually trying to do something. Which, um, I don't know, I applaud. Quick
3: aside, I'm looking at the IMDb. It was announced that he's directing a Running Man movie. I guess a remake of that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. I don't know. This is the first time hearing of it. I see it on IMDb, I'm like, uh, that would be fucking awesome. Because <laughs> I fucking yeah. loved that movie when I was a kid. So, just a quick aside. <laughs> Alright, well, I mean, I think we have given our general impressions. I think we can kind of dive into this movie, right? What worked for us, what clearly, yeah,
1: we'll talk about the ending, which didn't work for some of us. Jeff, do you want to start us off? All right. I mean, like, a lot of things did work for me in this movie. Mm -hmm. Because, like, the first half, two-thirds, I was, like, totally into it. And, you know, it's funny to see Edgar Wright without his uh, signature tools at his disposal, right? You know, like, his, his, like, referential humor and, like, Mm -hmm. his wit. The technical aspects, too. Like, you know, like, the fast editing, the fast cutting, the whip pans, things like that. The clever transitions, like... They're pretty much absent in this movie. But it actually does work. Like, you can still see the craft. Like, Chung Chung Hoon's cinematography is, like, incredible. And you get the visual pastiche of, like, Giallo and, like, the 60s horror that he's going for. And and for the most part, it works until it really doesn't in the final act. But Edgar Wright, his main through line for m- most of his movies have been, like, music. Right? Mm-hmm. And, like... That's no different here, you know, like, you got Petula Clark and, like, all these other different sounds from the 60s and you can really see that love for the era come through but also, like, he's saying that not all nostalgias should be viewed through like, the rose-colored lens. Like you said, I loved the section where uh, Eloise's first dreams of, of Sandy and, like, the match cutting where mm-hmm. in one part of the scene it's Eloise and then there's, like, a clever match cut and then it's sandy in the 60s it's it's fantastic it's it's some of the best filmmaking i've seen this year it's so so cool mm-hmm. absolutely it's just a shame that it falls apart so quickly towards the end i have, I have some other thoughts but I'll, I'll let you guys talk a little more about what you guys thought
3: i think that sometimes you don't even notice it you'll miss it right like there's just reflections of like yeah like the faintest of reflections of eloise or sandy in a mirror or in like a cup or something right where it's like that attention to detail is something that i appreciate about this film and it's not just those like stylish smooth edits that he has it's 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 just that attention to detail that i really
1: enjoy too and and there are a lot of mirrors in this movie and Mm -hmm. i always applaud filmmakers for using mirrors because mirrors are a fucking nightmare to work with when you're making a movie you have cameras and you have crew and you have like
0: mm-hmm.
1: all this equipment that'll show up in the reflection And like how do you get rid of it do you have to like painstakingly go and post and like edit everything out or like clever angles just to like obscure all that and when he's doing it with both eloise and sandy and thomas and mckenzie and anya taylor joy it's it's very intricate and i i do think that's really impressive of how seamless they made it look
2: i'll agree like the level of craft on display is Obviously, very high. And I think I like the choices that Wright makes. Like, he likes color a lot. He likes speed. He likes things that are just fun to watch. There's just so many cool, interesting shots in a way that something like, I don't know, Dune was less fun. Uh, I don't know. This is a very alive, energetic movie. It's not desaturated. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of color. There's a lot going on to it. Um, and obviously, like, technically, obviously, it's very proficient, as you guys have said. I think. I got pretty hooked into like the I don't know the theme behind the movie and what it was trying to say, and a lot of the things that bothered you guys didn't bother me so much, so I don't know if you guys want to get into that
1: all right so i I guess we should give a little synopsis of the movie first before we get into the idea of themes, right so this movie is centered around this girl named eloise uh she's from Cornwall, and she's like this country mouse girl who is finally realizing her dream of attending fashion school in London. So she's always had like this, I don't know what you call it, like a second sight, sixth sense type thing, where she sees apparitions. Like mainly in the beginning of the movie, she sees her dead mom, right? Her mom who killed herself when she was like a little girl. And so she goes to London and goes to fashion school and she's obsessed with the 1960s. You can see it in her bedroom decor and all that before she moves to the school. Uh, basically, things don't really work out for her. The, the people are mean. Edgar Wright kind of lays it a little thick here, you know, like um, the mean girl click, and then like you got the lecherous cab driver. So, I didn't really mind that. You gotta do what you gotta do to, to set the tone. Basically, she leaves the school dorms. She doesn't really fit in there. She finds uh, off-campus housing with this landlady named uh, Miss Collins, played by diana rig i think it's her last role right
0: mm-hmm
1: the late great diana Rigg. yeah the late great diana Rigg, who's uh on a uh, game of thrones <laughs> yep she was great in this too and mm-hmm. then so basically she rents a room from her and when she goes to sleep in the room she starts dreaming of this girl sandy played by anya taylor joy and she's like this uh up-and-coming singer in london in the 1960s and she rented that room before Eloise, right? And, you know, at first she's really taken by Sandy's lifestyle and, like, just how confident and ambitious she is. She's basically everything that Eloise isn't, right? And then at first she's super stoked to, like, go back to sleep and just, like, live vicariously through Sandy's life or or her eyes, right? And then things start to get weird when, you know, her her manager jack played by matt smith he shows his true colors it turns out he's like a pimp and he's violent and he's abusive and they found out that sandy is seemingly murdered and she's like eager to find out who who killed her and like the mystery behind uh sandy's disappearance or death or whatever um so basically that's what the movie's about and so my issue with the movie is that the pastiche it's is very very toothless and ineffective especially if you're comparing it to films of that era like like the giallo films right or like Roman Polanski's Repulsion or or something like that and i think what emphasizes this even more is that we just watched malignant <laughs> which totally leans into how crazy ridiculous and and unsavory these films can be where I felt like this was very sanitized and over polished and it has no conviction into the things that it wants to say. Like I feel like there's so many twists in this, and I feel like none of them work. You know? And and it doesn't lean into its influences at all. It 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 pulls its punches when it comes to like like committing to the to to its homage, you know? I know, Amir, you just saw this, so I don't know if
2: So so what are the twists that didn't work for you?
1: I don't know if it's the twists that didn't work. It's just that putting them all together didn't work. I feel like in the end, it's like, oh, fucking men are shitty until they're not. Poor Sandy, she's the victim until she's not, right? Hmm, Like, what are are you trying to say? Like, those two things don't go together, right? I I just feel like the switching of the tones makes it very, very wishy-washy. I guess we're going into spoilers here, right? Full spoilers, weapons hot. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. So it turns out that Jack is abusive and violent towards Sandy, and he makes her sleep with all these men and trying to like sleep her way up to the top of these lounge singing gigs. But basically, it's like a brothel. And this whole time, you're supposed to be sympathizing and empathizing with Sandy. But in the end, it turns out that she's actually like a serial killer. And she's killing all these men and hiding their bodies in like, the floorboards and stuff. I just feel like those two things don't really go hand in hand. Like, what what's he trying to say here, right? It's just confusing and muddled to me. The whole thing with Terrence Stamp's character just kind of fizzled out. It's like, oh, you think he's supposed to be Jack, but turns out he's just the cop that Sandy was talking to earlier, you know, and, like... It's just a rug pull for the sake of being a rug pull.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. that. That didn't do much for me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sort of with you on, like, the too many twists thing. Because I think I was even with the movie up to Sandy turns out to be a serial killer. I'm, like, even with it. I, I think it went a little too far when, like, Sandy does the whole, like, uh, now I'm going to poison you with the tea, and then I'm going to stab your boyfriend, and then, like...
1: Also, it turns out, Miss Collins is Sandy. She's not dead. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So that's another twist on top of that.
2: Which, Sandy being alive, I was actually fine with that, No, that's fine, that's fine. It's just the final, like, you know, Wicked Witch of the West bit at the end that I didn't love. Because I just was unsure exactly, like you say, what does it all mean? Because, like, for me, the rest of it all made sense. There was a pretty solid line and then just that last bit kind of didn't fully hit for me. So I guess I agree with you there. So I think, I don't know, like, I guess her whole Second Sight, Sixth Sense thing... Like, I don't know, this seems to me a movie that's talking, maybe it's not supposed to be a movie is talking about mental illness, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like, that seems to be a major theme here with her, her mother's depressed, she's, suicide, she's got to live with her grandmother, and then it's clear she's had some kind of episode that was thought to be a psychotic break in the past because her grandmothers were like worried about her. It's like, oh, are you seeing your mother again? I don't know if she's mm-hmm. psychosis or just like it's understood this depression. You're seeing visions of your, you know, of your, of your past loved one or whatever. But like, it seems like that is a thing. And then, you know, she constantly – the movie has these episodes where she's seeing these ghosts of the men who had, you know, were buying the sexual services of Sandy. Um, but, you know, they were creepy and violent and scary. And so, she's constantly getting these visions of like these, I don't know, molester zombies. But like in her waking life, right? Like the dream becomes a nightmare and it's just right. bleeding over into her waking life. And so because of these freakouts that she's having when she sees these scary visions, like, you know, it has a huge effect on her social – well, not a huge effect, I guess, but it has an effect on her social and professional life, right? Uh, maybe it wasn't intended, but this sounds to me like a movie about a girl who's struggling with like severe mental illness – related to trauma from like some kind of sexual assault right like does that is that a through line that you guys thought was there
1: i didn't see the sexual assault angle at least with eloise right Mm. i mean the mental illness thing i mean for sure just because of the through line with you know like this is very like woman on the edge having a nervous breakdown genre right of like the absolutely like, like repulsion is definitely like that and a lot of the giallo films are like that too you know like suspiria and like Mario Bava films, are all like that. And that's definitely a, a through line. I mean, my issue is that, like, those films are very, very, like, purposefully ugly and unsavory. This movie doesn't have the teeth to lean into mm. that. It's all very toothless, I feel. Especially since... He said out loud that it's gonna be a, like a Giallo pastiche or like an homage yes. or a love letter to Giallo. Or I didn't feel that at all. Like underneath, like the surface level, you know, because it obviously looks like one, right? Because Chang Chun Hun, he's got like the the neon lights and like even Eloise's costume at the Halloween party. It's very like yes. Giallo esque with the with the skull face mask and and like the the face paint and all that. But but it's surface level. I I didn't feel the dirt and the grime and like how controversial these films can be i just thought it was like empty ineffectual pastiche i don't know
2: so i'm not i'm not a giallo fan i don't have much experience with the genre i didn't come into it expecting that was gonna be edgar wright's take on this genre so i like just have a completely different okay yeah, yeah, yeah all right i'll steal a tweet here uh last night in soho bravely reimagines the giallo genre as an episode of glee (laughs) <laughs> shout out to michael DeForge for that one that, that, that seems to be the major disappointment of people who are expecting this to be something other than what it
1: is i think that's a little mean spirited but i agree somewhat just maybe not to that degree because there are definitely a lot of things i did like about this movie but, but that's very funny
2: yeah i mean i think if you go into it expecting uh giallo you are going to be disappointed I, on the other hand, because I wasn't expecting it, I thought the movie was pretty affecting. I thought the – Okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. I thought the creepy molester guys were upsetting. I don't know. I thought this was like an upsetting movie.
3: <laughs> no, I mean, to go back to your earlier statement, Amir, I mean, I, there is definitely this theme of like predatory nature of like
2: – Yeah, like the cabbie. From the very beginning, the cabbie and the – The cab driver. Like, it's very real. Like maybe I just yeah. wasn't engaged with the film on the level of like what's literally happening in it. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't care so much about the plot at all, but it was just it was so clearly this is what happens in real life stuff that like I just I couldn't I don't know I thought it was upsetting it worked for me
3: yeah and then you you got the difference in the two cops later when she meets them like the males are just like laughing about her story and then
2: like – yeah he's it's yeah. the fe-
3: it's the female that's like hey let me just calm down yeah I'm so so gonna she, help you
2: she goes to the cops uh, with this sort of murder mystery thing like oh I think a a girl was murdered in the 1960s and I'm seeing visions of it and they you know, uh, sort of understandably treat her as if she's nuts, which is, I guess, genre convention and probably what people would really do. But then afterwards, the male cop is in the bathroom laughing to his buddies about this crazy girl coming to complain about acts of, like, domestic and sexual violence committed by men against women and it being laughed off by men in positions of authority. Like, that's clearly there for a reason, right? That's not nothing.
3: And that is the thing that kind of works for me at the ending. The twist is, like, all these dead guys aren't trying to actually hurt her, right? They're coming to her because they want her help. They want to, like, be free of this person that, I guess, put them there. And she just straight up says, no. These guys are creepy. They deserve mm-hmm. what they got. And she just a- a flat out says no. And then even t- it goes to the point where, like, she just doesn't want to actually hurt the Diana Rick character of, you know, Sandy slash Alex. Yeah, well, her
2: right? to At First, they're like, oh, help us. And then they go kill her, right? Mm-hmm. Like they want you know uh, Eloise to turn on this uh, Miss Collins character. Yeah, you know?
3: even at the end when the fire is raging, she wants her to come with her. Like, let's get out of here. Like, she doesn't want any you know anything to happen to Sandy. So it's like there is this definitely this message of male toxicity and uh, you know women kind of sticking together. But then I understand what you're saying, Jeff. Like there is this mixed message because like part of it you have to examine the the Michael ishael character of john Mm -hmm. right the love interest the one that is like best boyfriend ever right the guy all time
2: (laughs) yeah dude he's the fucking goat yeah Mm -hmm.
3: guys you're trying to get it on you're freaking out and like he runs into a mirror and like steps all over glass he gets stabbed for you and he's there at the end yeah there is this kind of message of like it just seems like men are like gross and distasteful and they're the worst but then you have this character who's just like a saint
2: so in a way, this is like the exaggerated fear of like, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just because Thomas and Mackenzie look so young, but, but like she's only what 21 playing 18 or something. So it's not like awful,
0: mm-hmm, right? Like
2: the, the age difference and then like, and she looks young and like obviously they play her young, but like she really works as an innocent character who like maybe hasn't had sex before and is scared about it, right? Like I think the movie is full of this discomfort with her sexuality and how she looks very young and Anya Taylor-Joy please, clearly looks and dresses a lot more like a mature, confident sexual being. And then like what was like intercut with uh, the death scene? Like uh, you know, when she's kind of hooking up with the boyfriend character, that's intercut with like images of the Sandy character being like murdered by her pimp, right? Yeah, And then like the final actual moment of the murder is when Miss Collins bursts into the room and, like, sees her having sex. So, like, death is being revealed as being a sexual being.
1: Yeah. There's also another thing where I saw a lot of black critics, like, really bristle against how insensitive that scene was to, like, the optics of that situation, right? Where it's making it seem like John is, like, raping her and, like, how that could be seen from someone... Barging into the the room like that. I don't know. Did you feel any way about that, or or not really?
2: no I know. I, I get why people did, it, and I get why people are like, "Oh, his, his reactions aren't realistic." Why does he keep going back? Like this is insane. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is like an insane relationship to go back to after all these things have happened. But like, I don't know. Like, it's not his movie, and yeah, in a way, I think he has to be black to contrast against all the evil white dudes in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just a very yeah, easy, that makes sense. It's just a very easy, like, hey, look at all these evil white guys, the evil white pimp, the evil, you know, white Johns. There's not a single black yeah. one, right, in the 60s. Yeah. So, like, there's clearly this, like, you know, white misogynist uh, power structure thing on the one hand, and, oh, let's make the, the nice boy from black, you know, as a, as a, you know, easy visual signifier if he's the good one. That's how I read it. I didn't read it as, like, oh, you know,
1: but everyone's like, oh, he's a fucking simp or whatever. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. A little, a little bit, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, more than a little, man. Have you been stabbed in the gut? That is wild, dude. Yeah. <laughs> that is wild. I get, like, trying to talk her down after her freakouts and, you know, I don't know. After the whole shattered mirror thing, you'd think he'd be out, but he keeps coming back. I don't know, man. I guess he's 18, you know? 18-year-olds so, fall head over get in love and do a lot of stupid shit. So, I don't know, man.
3: She almost stabbed another girl in the face. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. she does. There are some, like, missed opportunities, I think, in the sense that there are characters in this that I maybe wish gotten more or that got, like, this weird focus that just never really went anywhere. Like, I mean, I'm a huge Matt Smith fan, you know, because I'm a big Doctor Who fan. Like, I wish we got more of that character or, like, his role a little meatier. I mean, you have Terrence Stamp, right? He's an important character, but like in the end, it's just not really. <laughs> he was
2: just a red herring. Yeah, 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 red yeah hair. that was kind of boring. But
3: yeah, and then you had like the roommate character that was just like so vile and like, but well, nothing. She's really... a mean
2: girl. Whatever. I thought she was fun. Jacosta's fun.
3: No, but like, it's just I wanted something to happen to her, or there was just some kind of resolution to yeah, that. Yeah, I
1: I do agree because I actually like the character of Jacosta a lot. Mm -hmm. um as this mean girl character and like there's something very very sad about her yeah that they didn't really like get to the meat of i mean it's not her movie so like yeah
2: she's an an empty insecure narcissist right it's like laid on thick but it's very well drawn you know exactly who this person is from like three or four interactions and like her role in the movie's done like it's fine like i don't know i i don't need the fucking yacosta sequel or whatever like it's fine yeah right like it it like, it's okay that the is just about, like, two and a half mean characters.
1: I feel like Edgar Wright wants to paint this, like, complex portrait. He wants things to be complicated, right? Because he wants to say that men are scum, but he also wants to, like, say that, you know, like, some women are serial killers, you know? Something like, <laughs> yeah. But it comes across as muddled instead of complex, I feel, right?
2: I agree entirely, but they do come out in, like... Tell you the, the thesis of like the movie, right? Yes. When yeah. the main character is like, "Hey, I understand why you killed them, and you were right to do so." Like
1: it, they can't yeah.
2: underline any more. Your sympathy is still supposed to be with Sandy,
1: right? Right.
2: And like it's muddled because they kind of have to twist themselves into like knots to get there, but they still want her to remain a sympathetic character, despite the fact that she's a serial killer. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it def- it's definitely weird. Like, it's definitely a, a muddled ending. But I just think, I don't know, for me, the through line throughout about her, like, discomfort with her sexuality and her mental illness and, like, the creepiness of, like, the groping and her being sexualized throughout is all so good that the crummy ending doesn't bug me.
1: Yeah. I think the main divide is going to be because I know, like, what kind of films he's reaching for. And that's rubbing me the wrong way. Where he just doesn't – he doesn't hit the mark at all. He doesn't hit the mark at all, where you didn't even go in thinking that.
2: I had no idea what this movie was going to be about. I wasn't even really looking forward to it. You were like, oh, this is one of your most anticipated of the year. I was like, I'm going to go force myself to see this movie. <laughs> 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 so that also might be a little bit of a different – like, we're coming no from very different places here. But I was pleasantly surprised that he was able to, like – try to do a movie that's about a thing, right? Because all his mm-hmm. other yeah. movies are about things. Not that I've seen all his movies, but I know what his stuff is about. It's, uh, as you said, a genre deconstruction, you know, comic adaptation, and I guess Baby Driver maybe is the, is the odd one out. But that's not about anything either. It's, like, about style and being cool. It's about, like, cool music and cool cars and, like, stylish shots and whatnot, right?
1: I think a lot of his Cornetto trilogy has themes to them, too. Like, I mean, I don't really want to get into that but like Alden, um yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. but uh, this is the most that he's tried to message so we did an episode on malignant amir you haven't seen malignant no right? all right so you need to watch because i fucking love that it movie fucking rules man it's it fucking, wow. <laughs> rules and i just want to underline again that like that's the movie that it knows that it's a pastiche of like these giallo and like 70s and 80s horror movies and it leans a hundred percent into it and it's ugly and it's disgusting and it knows what it's doing and it doesn't shy away from that which i feel like this movie kind of does and i think that's what rubs me the wrong way with this one i'm not the same as you jeff i'm actually more like amir i actually don't
3: know much about giallo films i really haven't uh-huh. seen any really so like i came in with the same kind of point of reference as amir but at the same time, I came in with probably a more of a point of reference, like, for Edgar Wright movies. And, okay. like, what kind of disappointed me about this movie, you know, speaking from my point of view, is that every other movie that I've seen him do, there's a sense of, like, passion that I get from his movies, right? Like, this kind of love for zombie movies or this love for, like, action movies, right? Or love of music. So, I mean, music in all of his movies, but especially for, like, Baby Driver. I mentioned I watched that Sparks Brothers documentary, right? Mm-hmm. It's a documentary about this like weird uh, 1970s band, right? That has spanned until now, right? They're still doing music now. And like, like I know nothing about this band. I'm, I don't know if I've actually heard any of their music, but there is this sense of passion. You could tell that he loves this band, but he also still really imbues like that Edgar Wright style of humor and quirky animations and, and whatnot to really tell this tale of these two brothers. Mm-hmm. Even like a movie like that, I was like, this is Edgar Wright. Like, I
1: don't see as much you don't of that. feel yeah. i don't feel
3: that in this movie as much as like
1: i think part of that is just because he's playing it straight here and like he's mm-hmm. doing straight up horror i think like his wit and his his sense of humor and his genre awareness really adds to the the passion he has for these types of movies and like he's trying something different here where his passion comes through in other ways and just not as, like, noticeable ways, you know? Yeah. And I, I, I get what you're saying. I, I totally get it.
3: And I, I think that's probably like why the middle of the movie doesn't work for me, because, like, I'll admit, all this stuff with, like, the ghosts and stuff was just, like, a little...
1: Yeah, the CGI is a little hokey. They're not really that scary. It's not scary, but it is, um, at
2: least for me, I thought it was
1: Unsettling. It, uh, it was not, a haunted uh, uh, mansion uh, uh, for me, uh, but...
2: Not, But it's not <laughs> unsettling <laughs> yeah. in a... In a, in a, in a I guess it's not unsettling in a horror movie way, it's unsettling in a this movie theme makes you think about
1: real life sexual assault. Yeah, Con- no, no,
2: no, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's like, oh, Const- shit, these,
1: these, these fucking dudes are all right? fucking scummy rapists or whatever, you know? Like, and, like, well,
2: yeah. I mean, and, and that's, like, this is what the movie is about. Maybe not from minute one, but, like, from the weird cabbie all the way, like, through. Like, that's the through line, right? In part. So, I don't know. I, I thought it was definitely uncomfortable on that level. Even if it's not, yeah, scary or whatever.
1: I, I read this one letterbox review. Someone said, it's fine if you want to remake Repulsion, but you have to have had sex at least once. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was very funny. Um, a lot of people are dunking on this movie. I didn't completely hate it. So
2: wait, so what is that dunk about? Can you, like, explain, like, on five? And if you-
1: well, I mean, Repulsion's very... I don't know it's not a controversial movie, but, like, it leans into, like, the of of its subject matter, and, like, it's very, very uncomfortable. And this movie definitely... For all the themes that it touches upon, like, you know, like, mental illness and, like, uh, rape and serial murder, it, it feels very... It doesn't make you squirm in your seat? Not exactly like Glee, what you mentioned. It's a, It's very sanitized.
2: Yeah, right, it's, it's, a, it's closer to Glee on the Glee to repulsion spectrum than you would have.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess that's fair. I mean, I think it's a movie that's also in part about discomfort with sex, right?
1: I think I'm... And a lot of these other people are going to be in the minority because, like, most people are going to be going in and, like, oh, they don't know that it's supposed to be a an homage to Giallo or or any of these, like, psychological horror movies from the 60s, right? They're just going in and, like, oh, new Edgar Wright joint, you know? And, and that's fine. I'm glad those people, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad, Derek, you enjoyed it. I enjoyed some of it. No, good. You enjoyed some of
2: it. <laughs> well, I don't like being one of those people on my own podcast. I don't appreciate that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Not everyone has to like everything. But I did like this, motherfucker. <laughs> no, yeah, that's totally – like, I think that's what Jeff's saying. I think it's totally fine to like some of it, right? Or not like this at all. Like, I, I, I think, don't like you yeah. t-
2: defending your dislike with your superior taste. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, whatever. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, my unfucking informed ignorant taste, ignorant opinion is going to be go see this movie. How about that? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say don't go see this movie.
3: Uh, I don't think I would go that far. Like I, like I said, I think there is some very stylistic things that I, and technical things I, I really, really liked in the first half of this movie. Uh, I mean, we haven't even talked about her, but like Anna Taylor Joy is just entrancing when she's on like anything. I, I feel like I can watch her in anything. I
1: love Anya Taylor Joy. Yeah, she's
2: really, really good in this. She's excellent. Awesome. Yeah.
1: My wife's like, what do you see in her? She looks like a fucking alien. <laughs>
2: She's a very strange looking, very pretty girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I totally get what she's saying. But she's just great. Like that whole the whole name montage where it's a bunch of like like John's asking her her name and she gives a fake one in each one. And, yeah. And she's just getting more and more like embittered and angry.
1: Disaffected and or whatever. disaffected. Yeah.
2: And she's great in that. Mm-hmm. Really good.
3: Yeah. Maybe I wasn't speaking my point. Clear enough in the sense that like I think what I'm trying to say is, like, the middle just becomes so generic to me, and that's what I think becomes boring to me. It's right? repetitive,
1: I do think, because it's just Eloise experiencing Sandy's pain over and over again, and then, like, telling people and they don't believe her. It's very generic. I do, yeah. I do well, agree even, with like, that. Even, like,
3: the Terrence Stamp twist was, like, you
1: know, yeah, like, nothing you know. in Okay, you know? yeah. like
2: The Terrence Stamp twist doesn't work, but, like, is the message at the end of this movie, like... You can't take on other people's pain, and you have to like cut it loose in order to be your own person. I don't know. I mean, it seems like mm-hmm. yeah, that's what the end of the movie is trying to say here. Like, maybe it's just a little too happy-go-lucky if the message is like, "Hey, like, all of your fears about sexuality are unwarranted. Like, it is actually possible to have like a fulfilling sex life, and um, you just have to like let go of all of this. I don't know if it's trauma or fear of trauma or whatever, but I don't know. I mean, I, I get how maybe that seems too sanitized.
3: Well, no, I mean, like I said earlier, I agree with you in the sense that I didn't mind this ending. Like, there are parts of that message that I do enjoy. Like, you know, like those fucking guys deserved what they got. So, like, yeah, fuck those, like, white, evil ghost dudes, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing that didn't bother me. Controversial is just...
2: anti-ghost stance of the, uh, the Strange Harder's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, podcast.
3: Creepy white ghost. Fuck ghosts. Uh, <laughs> fuck Casper. No, I was uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, But, yeah, like, that's the thing that didn't really bother me about the ending but I think I agree with both of you like in the sense that like the message is something I did like but also the way they got to that message I do kind of agree with Jeff it's a little muddled and maybe um, how they got there wasn't the journey I was expecting or really wanting from like an Edgar Wright movie Mm. alright if there's nothing else I think that will conclude this
1: week's episode Jeff where can people find more of your work? You can uh, find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com and you can also find me on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, at Strange Harbors. And I just want to say, go watch Malignant. <laughs> <laughs> what about you guys?
2: You can find me pointedly not watching Malignant. <laughs> what about you, Derek?
3: Uh, you can find me on The World's Okayest Photos and Screen Agents Guild on Instagram. But uh, if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor and give us a great star rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people.
1: Yeah, if you have any comments, questions, suggestions about our episode on last night in Soho, uh feel free to shoot us an email at Jeff at com. We like reading out emails on the pod sometimes, and feel free to shoot us a line through that email, Jeff at com. And we will see you guys next week.
2: So next week, everybody.
1: See you guys then.